Welcome to the Faith FX Podcast. I'm Bernie Vandewall. I'm Mark Buchanan. And this is where faith and life meet. Welcome back to Faith Effects. I'm Mark Buchanan. That was your very cool FM voice and intro. I like that. That was nice. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm learning from you. Yeah, and I'm Bernie Vandewall. Uh, I'm the uh, the other guy. Well, I, and I, I, I do thank you for noticing that sort of silky th- smoothness. It was, it's beautiful. It was put on. Was it well? It, it fits you well. Thank you. Well, this you is wear Mark, it well. Is Mark Buchanan. And it's late night. If, yeah, this is Faith Effects. Hey, Bernie, we, we've yep. uh, we've come out. We've we've. If anybody's listened to a previous podcast, so we right. know that they know that you and I both love classic rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yep. do you have um, you know a genre of music? Maybe it's sort of a closet genre that you want to um, come out publicly and say I, I also like. And then name that genre. Oh wow! So what's what's my guilty musical pleasure? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Okay. <laughs> if you make that deal, you know, and and then it's just between us. Okay. Okay. We, yeah. Good. It'll stay in this yeah. room. Uh, it probably because of where I grew up and because of my parentage. Um, if if you walk into my car at any time and I have Sirius XM, it's the best investment that money can buy for me because uninterrupted music, a good percentage of the time, you're going to find my channel on the classic country station. Oh, Bernie. Like I, Marty I, Robbins, uh, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. Down the West Texas, down the yeah. Paso. Yeah, but he does it well. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up with that music. My mom yeah. played it, and, and I, I find myself, in spite of myself, that those are the songs that, yeah. you know, when I'm driving in the car or, you know, dying by the side of the road. Right. That's the kind of music that, that does naturally rise to okay. the surface. So me. same for you? Same. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. But that's not, I wasn't going to say that. No, what were you going to say? Tell me. Uh, I love bluegrass. And so okay. it's, it's, so, you know. You I'm, got I'm, your heart I'm, broke. Yeah, it's, it's just cool, twangy. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a mash. Yeah. It, it pulls in folk music. It pulls in bluesy stuff. It pulls in country and western. It, it And there's something about it. I think it's, it's something, it sounds like the music of... Of the heart it raised for me. Well, interestingly enough, today's guest actually is a musician. We're going to talk to him about performance, but Keith Kitchen, uh, who we'll talk to in just a moment, uh, actually recently won an award uh, nationally for a folksy kind of music that he does. So why don't we go there right now? Let's do it. Keith Kitchen and I have had a long uh, history together. I mean, not only were we born in the same hometown, we have a lot of the same friends, uh, even though, you know, he's slightly younger than I am. Um, Oh, gosh, uh, it's probably about 18 years or so ago. Uh, I was actually his professor and and he was a student. Uh, So it's it's really my pleasure uh, to welcome uh, to the Faith FX podcast award-winning artist, Keith Kitchen. And the crowd goes wild. Dun, 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 dun. Excellent. Keith, great to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. Good. It, uh, it, good it's good. great to hear your voice again. Um, rather than me telling uh, people any more about who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us where this uh, 
storied hometown is. Uh, where do you currently find yourself? Tell us about your family. Uh, tell us what you like to do for fun. Yeah, so um, grew up in in Regina. Um, I, uh, same same. I wouldn't say grew up with Bernie, but uh, same uh, hometown as Bernie, and uh, currently living in uh, Swift Current, Saskatchewan, where um, I uh, I'm on staff part time at Trailview Alliance Church. I kind of oversee the the music and some discipleship, and I'm just kind of like the little Dutch boy to sort of try to stick my fingers in all the you know, wherever, uh, put my hand to wherever it's needed. And, um, we've been living here for about 15 years. My wife uh, is Ruth. And then we've got a, a daughter and a son, Hannah and Isaac. And, um, what was the other question? Yeah. Just what I like to do for fun. Um, I like to, I like to spend a lot of time in the outdoors. So, uh, hiking, uh, backpacking, kayaking, and just kind of, um, breathing the, Breathing the uh, breathing unconditionally, the unconditioned air as much as possible. Oh, great! Hey, so Mark and I just did the uh, musical guilty pleasure, right? We're both really classic rock guys okay. to begin with, but then we also have a musical guilty pleasure. Uh, what's your favorite genre, and, and what's your musical guilty pleasure? Right? What's that thing you listen to in the car when nobody's around? Yeah, yeah. Well. Um yeah, so for me, like I, uh, I listen to a lot of um, a lot of songwriters. I mean, for, for me, it's it's the, the the artists that I resonate with are those who write their own songs. Um, and and one of the hallmarks of some of the great songwriters is that they they tend to dabble in in different genres. You know, they okay. they, they sort of have their niche, but they you know. Um, so I think of you know. A uh, guy that I've been listening to a little more the last couple of years is Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett's a really underrated, um, but really brilliant songwriter. And he, you know, he, most people think of him as kind of a country artist, but he does, you know, he does mm-hmm. uh, dabble in some, you know, some jazz and some folk and stuff. Uh, Ray LaMontagne or LaMontagne, I'm not sure how you, how he would pronounce it, but um, another great songwriter who, you know, is a little bit country, a little bit blues, a little bit rock. Um, you know, so those are, those are some of the guys I'm listening to now, but I mean, you know, my influences, you know, back in the day, James Taylor was a big one. Steve Bell, you know, has always been kind of a, I'm fortunate to call him kind of a, yeah, yeah. A friend and a mentor, but, um, um, guilty pleasures. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel very guilty about a lot of what I listen to. Okay. What wouldn't we guess? what what wouldn't we guess what part, part of well part part of putting part of the whole writing thing is just putting as much stuff into the stew as i can and sometimes you know it's the odd bits that make it interesting but i would have to say you know one of the things that one of the musical influences that i'm least proud of was i listened to a lot of michael bolton back in the day <laughs> that was yeah beautiful there's still a little yeah, there's still a little bit of a bit of an influence there. So. Oh, cool. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask you about what I think might be another influence. So I went to uh, your website, keithkitchenmusic.com, right? And it says there, and, and you didn't write this, so we won't take it as braggadocious, but that you have an impressive finger-style guitar playing. Who's your, who's your influence there? Yeah, you know, um, like, well, Steve, uh, Steve would be one. James Taylor, I think, was uh, oh, okay. you know, there again, um, kind of, kind of the first guy, you know, that I listened to. who played a lot of fingerstyle. 
Um, you know, Mark Knopfler would be. Okay. That's one. who I was waiting for. Me, for. It's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's kind of become a function of performing alone. You know, that like when I, when I started playing, you know, I was a, I was a flat picker and so I'd strum a lot, but I mean, to listen to somebody strum a guitar for an hour and a half, gets it's just, you know, boring, you know, right. frankly, after a while, so right. it's, it's been this constant pressure to kind of keep it interesting. And so, you know, there's just, um, when you, when you can get to the place where you can kind of chord and play melody and, and, you know, sort of, you know, do the call and answer thing with yourself, it's just, um, it just makes it more interesting uh, concert experience. Right. So I was waiting for you to drop Chet Atkins. You didn't drop Chet Atkins, but that's, you know. You, oh, But there's yeah. no, no Chet yeah. Atkins, no Mark Knopfler, you know. So, and then you could get yeah, that yeah. great designation right. CGP, Certified Guitar Picker, that Chet Atkins actually trademarked. You, you know what, Bert, I'm going to jump in because you, you, okay. when you get into music, I'm like, sorry. you're going to take over this interview. And I have some things I want to ask Keith. I'm okay? sorry. And this is the first time I met Keith. So Keith, it's Mark Buchanan here. Uh, Keith, I'm, I'm curious because I come out of pastoral ministry and I'm, even though you're part-time, I'm trying to first figure out how you both manage the demands of your pastoral work and leading the areas of the church that you do. You said music, but also a professional musician with recording schedules and travel, tour dates, all that. How do you, how do you put that together? The really nice thing about my relationship uh, with Trailview is that the way that it, it kind of came about, like I was doing music full time for about seven or eight years and it was actually the the church kind of came alongside and and you know recognized that there was a, a real ebb and flow to my work. We had a lot of times when you know I was touring a lot and and we had kind of some 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 uh, financial stability, and then there'd be other times when I wasn't touring and you know which caused you know reason for consternation and anxiety. And um, it was really the church kind of came alongside to say you know how can we sort of be a platform. Um, you know, for you to continue doing what you're doing, you know, to sort of be, you know, kind of like a, I always think of it like an aircraft carrier, you know, years, for years, I, I felt like this sort of fighter jet flying in circles over the ocean. Now I have to sort of replace the land and refuel. But, um, so they're very supportive of my work. And I would say I probably get in trouble for not touring enough, you know, rather than, than touring too much. So it's, it's really, um, it's helped to have a church that has, I mean, historically has had a long history of being very sort of, you know, missionary minded, kingdom minded. Um, in terms of the practicalities, you know, I, I honestly don't tour a lot these days. I, I, I haven't been working at booking shows, um, you know, actively for the past couple of years. And, you know, part of that has just been just kind of personally, you know, after, after doing music full time, for seven or eight years and having that constant demand to, you know, to book shows and be out touring, I kind of just needed a rest from it and, and to kind of let the music thing just be whatever it's supposed to be, you know, without, without forcing it. So, so I don't tour a whole lot, um, uh, these days, but you know, uh, at least in terms of, of actively trying to line up shows, I just, it's been more about sort of taking the invitations that come. So, it's been easy to, to balance in that respect. Question following up on that is, 
obviously you're a musician both at the professional level and in recording and then uh, when you do go out on the road uh, tour as a musician but you're also a worship leader working with a group of probably mostly unprofessional or non-professional musicians in the context of leading a community in worship um, these things must reinforce one another but there must be some significant tensions I mean captured in simple words like minister on one side and and performer on the other. Uh, could you talk about particularly that tension where, you know, on, on a Sunday morning you are leading a congregation into the adoration of God, but uh, you know how does that how does that relate to you as a performer and as an artist? It's not a distinction that that I see. You know, maybe maybe as much as, as other people do. I mean, for me, it, it doesn't, the the dichotomy there almost kind of feels like a false one. And and maybe that's just that I, like, I don't, I don't consider myself a performer maybe as much as an artist. Like I, I you know, for me, it, it all, I've been able to kind of root it all in the fact, like I came to know Christ in a personal way when I was 16 years old. And um, you know, didn't grow up in the church, didn't have any previous faith experience. And when he, you know, came into my life, he really just turned things upside down. And, you know, ever since that moment, my, I feel like my calling has been to facilitate, um, to facilitate moments or facilitate experiences where other people can have that kind of a, um, uh, of an experience. And obviously that, that looks different, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, singing your own songs to people rather than leading people in corporate singing. But I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of all the same thing. It's, I, I mean, I guess it would be, it would be similar to, um, you know, like, like preachers don't, I, I've been doing a lot of preaching in the last couple of years and preachers don't think of themselves as, performers you know they're the the act of preaching is kind of a solitary one but i mean in preaching you're trying to facilitate a, a, a moment where you can gather around god's word and and um and experience something together and i i think that for me when i perform that's it's the same kind of an intent so even though we're we're not necessarily singing together and i do i do usually you know, teach a couple of simple songs. And so we will sing together, you know, if I, if I do a concert, but it's not, you know, I'm it's similar to preaching. I'm always trying to sort of point away from myself. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like when I think of a performer, when I think of a performer, I think about somebody who's trying to, you know, direct attention to themselves. And I think the reality of it is if that's your posture as a performer, you won't last, you know, like, like people are pretty good at sniffing out, you know, uh, artists or performers, performers who are, you know, uh, narcissistic or, you know, egotistical, they're trying to, to get everybody to notice them, but they're really good performers create these experiences for their, their audiences. They care for their audiences, whether the audiences realize it or not, you know. Your website, keithkitchenmusic.com, makes no apology for your faith. And in fact, I think it kind of highlights it. Yet, not all of your music might be considered Christian 
by some. For instance, uh, your recent release, Never Been to War. We're going to listen to that right now. And then when we come back, I'm going to ask you a question. So let's go to uh, that song right now, Never Been to War by Keith Kitchen. Kitchen song, Never Been to War. It's available as a video on Keith's website, keithkitchenmusic.com. So here's my question for you, Keith, and I'm sure other people wonder as well. There's no really overt Christian language or themes in this. So, so how does this fit into what you consider to be your Christian artist vocation? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I guess... I guess when I think about it, it's, um, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that exists that God hasn't made. And, um, you know, so, so for me, like even this, you know, kind of this dichotomy between, you know, are you a worship leader or are you a performer? Even this dichotomy between, you know, are you a Christian artist or are you not a Christian artist? I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, my, I guess my goal is that, um, you know, that, that, you know, through my art, I'm, I'm looking at the same kinds of things that, that everybody looks at, whether or not they come from a, a faith perspective, you know? So, so if I sing, you know, a song about, uh, like about my wife, you know, I wrote a song, uh, on, on restless, uh, a number of years ago about our first apartment, you know? And, um, I guess my, uh, you know, the thing that might make that distinct as a, as a, you know, as a Christian artist is that the lens through which I look at those things, um, is, is different. And, and maybe, you know, maybe the songs aren't overtly different than what a secular artist might write, but, um, but I, I you know, I, I, I want to hope that, that, and think that just, you know, that there's still something compelling, you know, and, and maybe different about that, but, you know, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing. Like it's, um, I had a, so we, we, we attended an Anglican church for two or three years and, you know, it's a very interesting experience going and playing in Anglican churches. Cause you know, for years I played in, in evangelical churches and every, uh, every time you host a concert in an evangelical church, evangelicals always want to know, um, so what's the purpose of the concert? You know, is it, is it a, is it an outreach? Is it an evangelistic event? Is it a fundraiser? Is it a, you know, it's like concerts are always a means to an end. 
And Anglicans, I noticed, would host concerts just for the sake of it. But I think part of it is that like Anglicans seem to understand that um, that where beauty is, uh, God is, or God is at least not far away. And and concerts are beautiful, and so they're worth you know they're worth hosting just for their own sake. And I think you know um, my hope is that whether or not my work references Christ. Um, overtly or directly that by being beautiful, somehow he's glorified and is, you know, is present, um, you know, in, in some way. So now never been to war is actually maybe kind of a bad example because it's never been to war is all about, all about atonement. You know, the, the song is, I mean, not in an overt way, but it's, the song's all about, all the beauty, um, the good experiences. Yeah, I wrote that song um, a few years ago. I was on a, uh, I spent three days alone, uh, went on a solo uh, kayaking trip, went uh, just north of where I live, which is, current, is the South Saskatchewan River, and it stretches for hundreds of kilometers. And you can get out on there and just paddle for days and, uh, you know, in, in kind of either direction. And so I spent three days out on the water by myself. There's no cell phone coverage. And, and, uh, the two nights I slept out, uh, you know, on, on the sand, um, there was just like, there was, wasn't even any artificial light, you know, just under kind of a blanket of stars every day. But I spent those three days just kind of reveling in the beauty of this creation, but also the beauty of some of the things that God had done in my life in, uh, in the years kind of leading up to it and recognizing that everything that I have, um, is I, I have because someone else sacrificed for it. Somebody else laid their life down for it now. So in practical ways, you know, you know, the video references, uh, veterans and the people who, who died, uh, for our, our, you know, our political, um, our, 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 you know, uh, civil freedom. Um, but the song, uh, hopefully also, you know, kind of points toward the fact that as, as Christians, you know, we, um, we, we benefit, we receive our salvation because somebody laid their life down for it. So, I mean, even though it's, it's not as overt as some of my other songs and the songs all about atonement. Keith, that's very good. I, I, I'm going to ask it very plainly, but you've already been speaking about this, but I think it'd be helpful for our listeners who many uh, are wondering about uh, Christian art and, and many have um, ended up with a kind of a utilitarian view of of art. So you say when you do a concert in an evangelical church, the question is, what's this for? What is this doing? And so we, we generally have, have an underdeveloped aesthetic or a sense of beauty or theory of, of what beauty is. I, I, I'm going to ask simply this, what makes art Christian? Well, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I never listened to a, a, a songwriter, uh, and I can't think of his name right now. Uh, uh, who was it? He he used to be with uh, he used to be with Cadman's Call. Uh, I can't remember the name of the artist right now, but he he was talking about that very thing, and, and he his perspective was he said that um, that there's no such thing as uh, Christian art. There's just there's just art, you know. Uh, that that 
inanimate objects can't be Christian. Only only people can be Christian. Um, and he uh, even that he went further to say that that uh, the uh, even the label Christian is never something that the early church applied to themselves. It was it was some it was a label that outsiders applied to people who walked in the way of Jesus, people who looked uh, and lived like Jesus. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we could have a long conversation about you know just the accuracy of that. But there's something kind of compelling about it that it's. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think there's just good art and there's bad art, uh, and and that the the worth of art shouldn't, I think Steve, Steve Bell talked about this years ago. He said that, that the worth of uh, a piece of art shouldn't be evaluated on, you know, based on the faith claims of the artist. It should just, I mean, we should either you know, call it good or call it bad. Um, you know, like I, it, it's equally frustrating for me to hear Christians, you know, sort of put a stamp of approval on art, you know, even if it's a lesser quality, but, Oh, but it's, it's, Christian art, you know, it was a Christian who who came up with. You see, with I mean, Christian movies all the time. You know, Christian movies uh, are often very uh, they're often very on the nose. Uh, they're often you know have a feel more like propaganda than they do like art. And yet, you know, we sort of accept them and we laud them because you know they were produced by people who are part of our community. Similarly, uh, we might you know reject art because it was produced by somebody who doesn't share our faith. Um, and, and so it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tragedy because we, uh, I put out a, a record a couple of years ago that had some really brilliant gospel songs that I felt pointed to uh, Christ and to the message of the gospel in a really kind of powerful way. But most of those songs happened to not be re- actually written by Christians. Um, you know, so it's, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, if I'm getting too far away from the original question. I think it's very helpful. No, very, very helpful. Thank you. Hey, uh, our time is almost up. Uh, it's been great having you, Keith. If somebody wants to find out more about you, either online or where you're going to be on the road, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Easiest way to do that is, uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, just search up Keith Kitchen. Uh, and then the website is uh, com, And, uh, yeah, most of the info should be available there. Awesome. Hey, Keith, uh, Bernie here again. Great to have you with us uh, on behalf of Mark and the team. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, on this edition of Faith FX. Come celebrate the 10th anniversary of Ambrose University's campus. There will be an opportunity for alumni to reconnect, campus tours, and a concert by award-winning musician and alumnus Keith Kitchen. Register online at ambrose.edu.